Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Let's pray. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive. And together our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding, signs, wonders and miracles will take place at the teaching of your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Before we started this year, I have always endeavored to teach from the direction that I have of the Lord. In the month of January on wisdom for living, the practical aspect of the word of God. And I've always done that from the book of Proverbs uh, in the last three years. I've always done that from the book of Proverbs. But over the last uh, the month before we got into the year, this year, I spent some time in the book of Ecclesiastes. And um, I wanted to share a few thoughts with you there. First of all, the basis. Why do we do wisdom for living why do we take time to teach things like this come with me to proverbs chapter 19 and verse 3 proverbs chapter 19 and verse 3 why why do we do this it says the foolishness of a man ruins his way and his heart rages against the lord the foolishness of a man ruins his way and his heart rages against the Lord. The New Living Translation says, People ruin their lives by their own foolishness and then are angry at the Lord. People ruin their lives by their own foolishness and then they are what? Angry at the Lord. And uh, this is the foundation of our wisdom for living this is the key scripture we want to ensure that we are taking responsibility for our lives that we're not getting angry at god um, so three things before we start it's a whole lot tonight stretch your mind uh, get the messages again later first three fir- three things before we get into our main talk tonight do not repeat the mistakes of last year that's very important I believe that every one of us made mistakes, but don't repeat them. And don't assume that you will not repeat them. You have to put systems in place not to repeat them. Okay? Now, I don't want to mention anything I feel is a mistake, but I want to use a common uh, example. For instance, if you realize that at the end of the year, you could not account for your finances properly, don't assume you would automatically account for your finances this year. Put a budget in place. Are you following what I'm saying now? So don't repeat the mistakes of last year. Number two, decide to be more intentional with your life. Don't just say, I'm going to make this year count. No, your life. Decide to be more intentional with your life. Decide to be more intentional with your life. 
Number three, make your life or your time count. Do not count your life. Let me explain that. You know, many people say, I'm 22 years old. I'm 30 years old. I'm 42 years old. You're counting your life. Rather, make your life count. Time will always go by. But make sure your life is counting. There's value that you're bringing into life. Into your space. So the first foundation is do not repeat the mistakes of last year. And decide to be more intentional with your life. And number three, make your lifetime count. Okay? Your life or your time count. Do not count your lifetime. Um, I, I was reading a book. I'm, going to, I'm still in the introduction. Tonight we're talking about legacy living. Living with the future in mind. Alright? That's what we're looking at. Legacy living. Living with the future in mind. Uh, there's a book called Giving It All away and getting it back by a man called David Green, one of, one of the persons I really respect for his Christian uh, philanthropy. Some of you have read his biography on um, Hobby Lobby, the owner of Hobby Lobby shop. Um, quite an interesting giver. I was at the Oral Roberts University in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and that's where I actually got the story firsthand. Although I've heard about it, but you know, the person who was taking us around the university campus told, told, told us the story again firsthand. Uh, the school was indebted, and some people who were not born again wanted to pay off the debt of the school and convert it to a regular uh, university, a secular university. And this family paid off the debt of the university, about $70 million, paid it off, and uh, put one, one of their persons on the board so that he can remain a Christian university. Some of you have the version app on your phone. How many of you have the version app? Yet yeah, they actually pay, the family pays to make it free. Okay? That's some... How many of you think that's some good money? You don't think so? I say, how many of you think that's some good money? Praise God. So... Uh, he wrote something about legacy. Okay? So... I'm going to uh, read a few thoughts from that. All right. So the questions are different at the stages of life. In our 20s, in our 20s, we ask, who will I marry and what will my career be? Okay? So when you're in your 20s and your 30s, Love is playing on your head. In our 30s, we ask, how can I be established in my career and how will my kids turn out? The question is different. By 40s, we ask, is this the job I really wanted and why is my life so hard? In our 50s, we start looking backward and forward. How has it turned out so far and what will I do that's significant in the next 25 years? By our 60s, we ask simple questions like, will my health hold out and when will I see my grandchildren? By our 70s and 80s, we really start to look back and ask, was it worth it or will anyone remember? Or we even ask, should I have or could I have given more? Then he said this, the funny thing about the questions of life is that the ones we ask at the end are the ones we should begin with. Then he says, it's tough to craft a meaningful life without considering our end. 
And that's why I picked this up. It's tough to craft a meaningful life without considering your end. And that's why I want to talk about legacy living. Because sometimes we live in the moment and make life-changing decisions in the moment without considering the end. You cannot have a meaningful life if you do not think with the future in mind. That's why I want to have the conversation on legacy living. And I pray by the Spirit of God that God will use this to stir our lives in the right direction. Let's go to Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and verse 18 to 21. Just, just some thoughts in my heart about when I read this. You know, the book of Ecclesiastes is interesting because you would find Solomon complaining about the vanity of life. He was just, it was like a random questioning, random contemplation. Right? Some of, you, some of you think a lot. How many of you are those kind of people who just sit and just think? You think your life forward, backward, you reverse it and all of that. You know, sometimes you, you think, is this worth it? Was this worth it? And all of that. That's the kind of thought that Solomon was having. But when I read this, it made me to really think very deeply about my life and the, about the things I'm doing. And, you know, it's one of the things that have actually set me to be more intentional about this year. And I just want to share that thought with you. Ecclesiastes 2.18 in, in, in Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and verse 1 up until verse 17, especially in verse 10, Solomon talked about having everything he desired. So he says, all that my eyes desired, Ecclesiastes chapter 2 verse 10, I did not refuse them. Whatever I desired, I did not refuse them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure. For my heart was pleased because of all my labor. And this was my reward for all my labor. He talked about everything he had. Okay, if you go up, if you go up to verse come with me please verse 4 he says i enlarged my walks i built houses for myself i planted vineyards for myself i made gardens and parks for myself and i planted in them all the kinds of fruit trees i made ponds of water for myself from which to irrigate a forest of growing trees i bought male and female slaves i had homeborn slaves <laughs> imported and local slaves he got also i possessed flocks and herds larger than all who preceded me in jerusalem verse 8 i collected for myself silver gold and treasure of kings and provinces i provided for myself male and female singers and the pleasures of men many concubines verse 9 then i became great and increased more than all who preceded me in jerusalem my wisdom also stood with me when you look at what solomon is describing here that's the kind of life that we all want where whatever you want, you have it. That's the kind of life. And the guy was bold. He says, I had all of these things. But come with me to our contemplation this evening. Verse 18. Thus I hated all the fruit of my labor, for which I have labored under the sun. For I must leave it to a man who will come after me. So Solomon says, you understand that? He says, come on, are you with me? Are you with me? He says, everything I've labored, I'm going to leave it for someone. Then look at his pain, verse 19. He says, and who knows whether he will be a wise man or a fool? He says, who knows if this man is going to be what? A wise man or a fool. Yet he will have control over all the fruit of my labor for which I have labored by acting wisely under the sun. This too is vanity. Therefore I completely despair of all the fruit of my labor for which I have labored under the sun. Verse 21. When there is a man who has labored, he mentions three things, with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, then he gives his legacy to the one who has not labored with them. This too is vanity and a great evil. Interesting line of thoughts. Interesting line of thoughts. Solomon says, I've acquired all of these things. 
I've labored to acquire all of these things. He says, but the interesting thing is I'm going to leave it and I'll, I'll die. And I can't tell who actually is going to control this wealth, whether the man is a fool. And he says, if the man is a fool, then he's going to assume control over everything I've labored. And I read this and I thought about it because I have a couple of stories. And I'm sure all of us know some fools who stumbled into wealth. And I began to think like we must understand from scriptures that our life is not just our lives. That if we're talking about legacy living, we're not just talking about living for ourselves. We should live in such a way that we ensure that the one who takes over from us has the wisdom to build for the next generation. That becomes important in your thoughts. So I'll pause here and then I'll I'll come back here to this legacy living. But let's go to verse 21. Then we'll come back to verse 20. I want to teach 21 first and we'll come back to verse 20. It says, When there is a man who has labored with wisdom, knowledge, and skill. So Solomon tells us three pillars of building a great life. The first one is wisdom. The first one is wisdom. How do you build a legacy? Wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to use knowledge and experience to make good decisions and judgments. In James chapter 3 and verse 15 to 17, the Bible tells us about the, the classes of wisdom. Wisdom that is devilish, wisdom that is from the earth, and wisdom that is from God. You cannot afford to make foolish decisions in your life. Wisdom. It says, if a man has labored by wisdom, by wisdom, we know that the increase of Solomon came by wisdom. What is wisdom? The right application of knowledge. A pastor went to a particular church. He thought the one message the first Sunday. The next Sunday he thought it again. The other Sunday he thought it again. After one month he thought the same message. And then the Dickens board came to him and said, Pastor, we don't know what's going on, but you've been teaching one message for the past four months. And he told them, when you start leaving it, then we move to the next one. <laughs> How many of you know that there are a lot of messages you have access to that's not reflecting in your life? And that's a problem. That's a big problem. Because life, if you want to build a great life, you must not be just one who collects information. You must be one who applies information. One of the things I did this year, and like I say, I don't study to preach. Most of the thoughts I share are from the overflow of my personal studies. you know. And one of the things I did after studying this was to have what I call my application journal. For every book I read, I write, what am I applying from, from this book? Because I realize I've read a lot. I have quite a huge library. I have quite a huge library. I've got a lot of books. I've got books on my phone. I've got books on my iPad. I've got books in my study library. I've got books everywhere. But then I'm asking myself, with all of these books, where is my life? Because you were not born to accumulate books. You're not a librarian. Are you following what I'm saying? You must measure your life by your execution. So that's wisdom. What's knowledge? Knowledge is the acquiring of relevant facts and information. And it's important to note the word relevant fact. Because not every knowledge is good for you. <laughs> praise God. I said praise God. 
although we live in the information age, we must design what knowledge is good for us. What use are you listening to all kinds of junk on social media and you can use that time to build your skill on something? The same time you used to, you know, watch all, and, and let me tell you the truth. Our greatest distraction in this generation would be our phones. Either through games, and games were built with... Um, the technology behind games, if you study them, the technology behind games is the same technology behind uh, gambling. It's the same addictive technology. Those things were not designed for you to have fun. They were designed to make someone rich. Nobody is, nobody is building anything for your happiness. Are you following what I'm saying? Are you here? Nobody's building, nobody went and said, let me just make these people happy. For every click, someone is getting money. For every time you play, someone is getting richer. And you need to start asking yourself, were you born in this life just to make people rich or you were also born here to make some money? Okay? So you don't just need all kinds of information. You don't need all kinds of knowledge. You don't need to know everything. You have to decipher the right information, the right knowledge. So the other way we build a great life is by skill. By skill, the ability to do something well. Skill stresses technical knowledge and proficiency. And, and go read my book, um, Increase and Prosperity, The Missing Link. I talked about the power of skill. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 16, you can put it up. In 1 Samuel 16, 16, David had been anointed king. But how will David get to the palace? Right? 1 Samuel what did they say? A man who is skillful in playing the harp. They needed a man who was skillful in playing the harp. So whatever prophecy you have would require your skill to make it come to pass. Praise God. Are you still here? Alright. Let our Lord now command your servants who are before you. Let them seek a man who is a skillful player on the harp. See as that a man diligent in his business. He will stand before kings and not mere men. How skillful you are. The world respects skillful people. The world has no place to celebrate mediocrity. There are hundreds of footballers that have gone, you know, all through the world. But the greatest of the footballers that we talk about, for those people who follow football, are the skillful players. The Maradonas, the Pele, the Abedi Pele, the... The Pele of Brazil, the Ronaldinos, the Ronaldo, the, the Messi, and all that. Nobody's going to call, I don't want to mention names, but you know them. But they played. Even in, in lawn tennis, table tennis, any sports. Even hundreds of people write novels all the time. The novels that are going to stand out are the Chimamanda, Oleso in Cars, you know, the Olarotemis, the Chino Achebe. Those are the things that are going to stand out. The world has no space for mediocrity people. Listen to me, child of God. It doesn't matter the prophecy that's upon your head. There are 7 billion going to 8 billion people in this world. If you want to make a great life, you must be exceptional. There's nothing you're doing right now that nobody's doing. If you're selling, hundreds of people are selling. You're preaching, hundreds of people are preaching. You're writing a book, hundreds of people are writing a book. What's going to make you stand out is not the anointing oil you drink. It's your skill. And saints, take your life seriously so you don't blame people when you are old. 
So you don't blame the government when you're old. So you don't blame the color of your skin when you're old. I have a young man who reached out to me and, and said, well, I needed you to mentor me on a couple of things and all that. And this young man, all he's doing is agriculture. All he's doing is agriculture and farming. He's put so much value in himself. Last year, he spoke in eight countries and eight international farm festivals. Just on agriculture. So much value. So much value. I pray tonight that God lights a fire in your soul that makes you hate mediocrity. Say amen like thunder. Amen. Is the thunder on that you respond to? Right? I, I pray that you will hate low living. You will hate mediocrity. You will hate a life that is common, that is normal. If there is a first position, why are you not there? What are you doing? Many years ago, we used to listen to a lot of motivational speaking. I don't anymore. But Les Brown will say, in schools, you have A's, F's, B's, C's, D's. He says, but in life, you don't have that. You only have A's and F's. See that you're exceptional or you're mediocrity. What are you doing different with your life? Listen, the challenge of life is that you've got one shot. There's no reincarnation. You're not going to come back and live this life again. You know people say, if I live again, I'll marry you. It's just nice. You're just making your wife feel good. That's not happening. Are you still here? Skill. First Kings chapter 5 verse 6. The Bible says the Sidonians could call timber better than anyone else. As you know, there is no one among us who can cut timber like Sidonias. Go read that in my book. And see, I talked about skill. You know, something came to my mind as I was getting ready to come to service. I was polishing my shoes. Then I just remember, I said, you know, our brothers who go around shining shoes, right? If those guys handle your shoe, you wonder, that, is this not the same shoe? Are you, they've made skill out of it. Everything you are doing, you can be more skillful. You can be better. But the problem sometimes is we're so distracted, we are not getting better. You see, the value we seek, even financially, will come from increased services, better services. Why do people pay a lot more for expensive things that are imported from abroad? Some people just because they want to have the feeling of these things are imported. But the truth of the matter is that when you talk about longevity, right? Quality, am I right? Standard. People are willing to pay for it. So these three things are the things you need to put. You can put Second Chronicles 2.8 there. These three things are the three things you need to start building a legacy. Wisdom, knowledge, and skill. So you've got knowledge and wisdom. You make wise choices. I pastored, started pastoring very early in my life. Pastored 16 years now. You know, let me say the way like teenagers used to say when you ask them their age. What would they say? Come on now. What would teenagers say when you ask them their age? 16 going to what? 17. Yeah. But when you are old, when they ask you your age, you say what? I am 16. Yeah, because you want to come back. All right. 
I've seen people ruin their lives through foolish decisions. One of the things I'm praying, and we're going to talk about that as God helps us, is may our heart not be hardened to the voice of wisdom. I said, may your heart, or may our hearts, including myself, not be hardened to what? The voice of wisdom. May we not be people that correction does not get into our hearts. See, this life has been designed in such a way that there are principles God has put in this life that if you walk them, they will produce results. Are you hearing what I'm saying now? So let's talk about legacy. Let's, let's, let's get into our main talk here. Legacy. Three things will create your legacy. Or three things will create a successful legacy. To live with the future in mind, you have to be conscious of three key decisions. Three key decisions. Number one, some of you have already made this decision. Some of you that are yet to make it, blessed are you that you are in this service. Who you get married to. Who you get married to. First Samuel 25, 25. Who you get married to. First Samuel 25, 25. He says, please do not let my Lord pay attention to this worthless man. Whether she should have called him worthless or not, not, that's not the business now, right? He says, Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name. And fully, that word fully is not, a, is not don't think it's a nice Greek word. It means foolishness is with him. Interesting, interesting thoughts. You know the story. David came Ask the man for, listen carefully. Please pay attention tonight. David came and asked the man, please give me some things to eat. We know with my children. You know, begged him, spoke with him well. The man said, who are you? And lack of wisdom. Blasted David. David put his sword and said, you know what? I'm going to wipe out his household. A wise servant heard and told the woman. The woman ran and said, don't mind it. I married a fool. As his name is, so is he. Which means that, permit my use of words, people can marry worthless people. <laughs> Don't say amen. Just leave it at that. Listen to this. Listen to this. If you marry someone like that, their choices will impact your life. Because if this woman had not responded, listen carefully to what I'm telling you tonight. If this woman has not responded to David the way he responded, the woman would have died for the choices of her husband. So when you are deciding to marry, it's not just physical shape. It's not just bedroom matters. It's not just someone you are going to be snapping picture with. You are going to ask yourself, this person that I'm falling in love with, what is his decision-making ability? Because if he makes some wrong choices, you and your children will pay for it. Are you here? Yes. 
Genesis 3.24 Genesis 3.24 Thank you Lord Jesus This is a very reflective study So I expect every one of us Including myself speaking to be very reflective of this Genesis 3.24 So he drove the man Look at verse 23 Therefore the Lord sent him Adam out from the garden of Eden to cultivate the ground from which he was taken. He drove the man out. That's the line I like. He drove the man out. Why did God drive Adam out? Did Adam commit any sin? <laughs> did Adam commit sin? No. Who committed sin? The wife. Who did the scripture say was driven out? Right? Now, you know, what I, you know what I just want to point to you with these two verses? Everybody you get married to, their decisions will impact your life. You can go and say, it's my life, it's my life. It's not your life. Because a man shall leave his father and his mother and cleave to, and they shall become what? On flesh. So if you are not married, and you want to get married, before you fall in love and lose your senses, ask the right questions. Because once you are falling in love, the deal is done. When everybody is saying this person is no good, say you people don't understand him. I am the one that understands him. Two years down the line, <laughs> understanding has finished. It's like I have some preachers at the back. <laughs> are you hearing? But now, but are you hearing what I'm saying now? Now this is very serious. This is serious. You know what I'm talk to, talking to you about? This is serious. Before you fall in love, because I cannot guarantee after you are falling in love. A preacher said, pray for your children that God will help them before they fall in love. Because when they fall in love, even you will become an enemy. And that's the truth. So guard your heart with all diligence. Before you write your speck, eh? this is my speck, this is my speck. I like them plumpy, I like them tall, I like them this one, I like them. Put wise decision there. Want to see that decision making process. That's very important. Let me leave that because I can stay on that. Number two, things that can create a legacy. How your children are raised. How your children are raised. And I really want to emphasize this. How your children are raised. Look at First Samuel chapter 3 verse 13. I think it's the NIV version I used here. It says, I have warned that judgment is coming upon his family forever. Because his sons are blaspheming God and he hasn't disciplined them. Praise God. 1 Samuel 3.13 1 Samuel 3.13 God was speaking. Say, if I told him I'm about to judge the house forever for iniquity which he knew because he, the sons brought a curse on themselves and he did not rebuke them. Put the NLT version or the NIV version. Look at this. Look at this. NLT. I have warned him that judgment is coming upon his family forever because his sons are blaspheming God and he has not disciplined them. You know what God told Abraham? He says, I know Abraham will command his children to walk in my ways so that I will bring to pass what I've spoken. Please pay very close attention to me tonight. There are prophecies over your head that you will not experience in your lifetime. God has designed that those prophecies should pass through a generation. You must raise your children to be able to sustain those values so that that word will come to pass. Some of us are laying foundations for the next generation. 
it's important that we are not so consumed with work that we are not focusing on the next generation the discipline of our children is something we have to return back into our lives because I know where I'm going and you know where I'm going the Bible says everything we are doing right now if our children are not properly raised it's wasted number three if you're not married or you don't want to be married the third choice will be who you choose to raise who you choose to raise Mordecai his legacy was was stamped by Esther Esther 2 7 put Esther 2 7 Esther was an orphan and because Esther's parents died see, the man had a very be- beautiful and young lovely cousin Hadassah who also called Esther when her father and mother died Mordecai adopted her into his family and raised her as his own daughter Mordecai became the father of a queen listen listen by the time Mordecai was raising Esther there was nothing in Esther that looked like Esther was going to be a queen who you choose to raise sometimes when we don't have the right people around us God sends such men or women into our lives who raise us as their own children and listen let me tell you not many people in this life not many people in this life will invest in others like they will invest in their own children that's about creating legacy it happened also to Paul we know Paul wasn't married well, there are two schools of thought to the subject of Paul's marriage. Some, theologic, some theological school of thought feels that Paul could not have risen to that level in religion if he wasn't married because of their laws. Probably his wife died. We don't have scriptures for that. The other one felt Paul did not marry. Whoever, whatever one you choose, at the end of the day, Paul didn't have a wife. You know, Acts 16.3. What happened to Paul? How did Paul cement his legacy? He went to a house of a woman. Who's, um, of a young man, a disciple named Timothy. And what happened? He raised Timothy. Paul wanted this man to go with him and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those parts. For they all knew that his father was a Greek. So Timothy could not have done ministry without the circumcision. What happened? Paul took upon himself, took Timothy, up, um, took, took up Timothy and fathered him. You see, for some people, it might not be your children who will really carry your legacy. It might be someone else that you poured into. So you, you want to ask yourself, are you pouring into someone? And I'm not just talking about, I'm just mentoring this person. Are you pouring into them as a father would a child? Now, it comes back to the question of who you get married to. If Mordecai had stretched out and said, hey, let's take Esther. And the wife said, I don't think Esther can stay in this house. What, what do you think? Talk to me, church. What do you think? Would we have the story of Esther? We wouldn't have it. I'd like to say this at this point. You cannot marry just for societal expectations. You've got to marry for the purpose of God and the plans of God in your life. And if you're in a relationship, these are the conversations you should be having. Instead of asking what someone has eaten. These are the conversations. Because sometimes we make 
mistakes and it's too late to want to go back to correct us. Paul J. Mayer said, an Australian billionaire, great man, great man, great believer, wrote a book on legacy. He said, everything you are and possess today, whether good or bad, will pass down to those who come after you. Who you are will determine how you will raise your children. Who you are. An indisciplined father cannot raise a a disciplined children. And it's it's interesting because, you know, when you look at the legacy of Eli and how Eli died, Eli was not a bad king. Eli was not a bad high priest. There was no record. The only failure of Eli was the fact that he did not discipline his children. And I I want to plead with us. I want to plead with us. We have to reconsider the issue of raising our children again. Because we take a lot of uh, the raising of our children from an American culture. And I don't want to because there are people who listen to me from the US. But you want to check their family values. You want to check their family values. So there are things you need to pour into your children now. So they can sustain. I remember one time, that was one statement that, I mean, two statements that my dad told me that changed my life. (laughs) You know, I remember one time, you know, he was washing the plates in the kitchen. And uh, so I was going into the kitchen. So I saw that I was washing the plates. So I quickly took off. Not knowing that he had seen me. So he came to my room. And he said, don't worry, no problem. Your children will do the same thing to you. I'm like, oh. <laughs> How many of us know that sometimes we like to plant seeds that we don't want to sow? You know, that statement got to me. And I remember I was going to school. I had all these issues with him. I wanted to live my own life and everything. And one day he called me. And he said, he said you're my first son. I like you. He said, but... The truth of the matter is that I can't give you my checkbook because I don't trust you. And when he said that, I was like, oh. And I, I, wasn't a, I wasn't a thief. But he couldn't trust my sense of values. And those two statements really got to the depth of my heart. And years after, I'm the man's right hand man. See, you can change. If you want to. You can be better. If you want to. Your marriage can work. If you want to. You can be intelligent. If you choose to. You can read. If you want to. You know why you're where you are. You don't want to. Hmm? You can be more disciplined. You see. God has not left your life. In such a way that you cannot be in control. You know what we know what the Lord told Cain after I killed the bear? He says, Sin is at your door. He won't sin wants to master, he said, but you can master it. We are in a brand new year. If your year is already looking like last year, sit up. Because nothing magical is going to improve the year if you don't take serious and deliberate decisions. So everything you are and possess today, whether good or bad, will pass down to those who come after you. A good legacy isn't free. And it's not even instant. 
And I like this. If we do not make plans for a better tomorrow, tomorrow will not be better. If you don't make plans for a better tomorrow, tomorrow will not what? Be better. Are you here? Help me tell your neighbor that. Tell your neighbor, say neighbor. If you don't make plans for a better tomorrow, tomorrow will not be better. Yeah. So you cannot control the family you were born into. We all did. I know some of you, some of us, if we had a choice as to the family we should be born into, your father knows that he will never see you. Come on, don't raise your hand. Your father might be watching. Eh? I know now, if you have to go into your mother's womb again and say, which family do you want to come out? Big gates. <laughs> you don't even know the man, just want money. So, there's something about life. You don't determine the family you come from. But you know what you determine? The family you're going to create. I don't care what happened to your home, where you were born from. You know, like Josiah, you, maybe you had very terrible parents, terrible grandparents, all kinds of stuff. Today, you can make a decision that the family that's going to come out of me would be what? A family of excellence. And you need to make that decision. And that decision starts from the choice of who you are going to create that family with. Are, are you following this now? You know, thinking back, I, I was thinking back, some of the teachings we had on relationships, I think we didn't emphasize purpose enough. I mean, to, to my own generation. It was more about how relationships can work. How re- because the plans that the world has for the next generation are not good plans. So we've got to be intentional about it. We have to build intentionality into the next generation. You know, Solomon had his fear. Let's go back. Let's go back to our scripture. Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Are you learning something tonight? Alright. Is this blessing you? Alright. Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Go to verse 18. Let's, let's see this now. Thank you Lord Jesus. Ecclesiastes chapter 2 verse 18. It says, First, I, um, I hated all the fruit of my labor, for which I have labored under the sun, for I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he will be a wise man or a fool. It says, Yet he will have control over all the fruit of my labor, for which I have labored by acting wisely under the sun. It says, I acted wisely. I built all these things. It says, But who knows when I die, who is going to take control over the things I built. Now, it means that you have to be conscious of the people you are raising to take after what you are building. That's how to think legacy. And you know the interesting thing? This happened to Solomon. Who took over after him? His son. Hmm? Bible students. Who took over after him? Solomon's son. Rehoboam. What happened? First Kings 12. Rehoboam took over and then in fact since 14 21 to 31 through a foolish decision the kingdom was divided everything Solomon labored for Rehoboam divided his fear was correct but you know what I see here 
the way wisdom was in, um, developed or built into, Sol- into Solomon, we don't see Solomon building into Rehoboam like that. You read the book of Proverbs. You say, my father told me this. My mother told me this. What did he tell his children? He had 1,000 1, wives. How's he going to cancel all of them? He might even forget the name of some of his children. Say, hey, who are you again? <laughs> say, who is your mother? <laughs> say, this one, this one. Uh-uh, that's my 977th wife. The truth of the matter is, if you're not conscious of the next generation, you cannot be sure of what you're building today. This is big. So you cannot design your life to say, but it is you people I'm working for. Mm -mm, mm -mm. You were not just designed to work for your children, you were designed to raise them. This means that going forward as men in this church, we want to be intentional about our family. And let me tell you something. The time has come for us as men to stop blaming women for our families. You know why? Because we have this mindset. I'm bringing the money. I'm bringing the money. The money is not the thing. It's part of it, but it's not the thing. You want to have conversations. You want to be intentional about raising the next generation. And this should also affect your choice of how many children you should have. Because you should ask yourself, how many people can I effectively raise? Because you know, one funny child in the family can cause pain. Some of you know how you were before you were born again. Right? Just one. This is serious conversation. Legacy, building with the future in mind. Who are you pouring into? Look at this. Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 14. It says, Fathers can give sons an inheritance of houses and wealth, but only the Lord can give an understanding wife. <laughs> Let's leave understanding wife first. What, what can fathers give? What can fathers give? Houses and what? wealth it means that as a father you should also be thinking of an inheritance for your children and it's in, and, and it's an important talk there are two types of inheritance there are tangible inheritance physical inheritance and of, of course intangible inheritance which is vision values you know and and and, and godly and your faith but we cannot we cannot use our faith, our vision, and our values to excuse the fact that we didn't also leave some tangible inheritance for our children. You must live your life in such a way that you're giving your children a head start in life. And you know what? It starts from today. We don't have to live and allow our children rewrite our history again. We have to be intentional to the point where our children can have a head start and say, you know what? My father laid this up for me and I'm taking off from here. We must live with that mindset. Are you following what I'm saying? Every man in this house, I challenge you to have that as a vision. 
And it must be a vision you work with. It must be a vision that's an overriding vision that our sons and our daughters would live with a head start. And you know what? If you have that vision at the back of your mind, you would live intentionally today. You will spend with care today. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Why? Because you're building something. You're not trying to impress your, your friends. You're not trying to impress your peers. You are rather laying a foundation of a legacy for tomorrow. Because whether we like it or not, there are certain natural advantages we can give to our children that can just make life a little bit more easier for them. How many of you agree to what I'm saying? Okay, you don't agree? You don't agree? How many of you think there are certain natural advantages you can just build up for your children to help them? And when are you going to start that? Today. You're not going to start when the children come. You're going to start now. Living. Because let me tell you, whoever you are is who your children are going to become. My kids, at least, to the best of my knowledge, don't struggle to read. You know why? Everybody in the house reads. Everybody reads. My wife reads. I'm reading. They see it. But I also know that there are homes that the children struggle to read. You know why? Because the most precious commodity in those families is the remote control. That's the most precious commodity. The mother is in charge before the father comes. When the father comes, the father takes over. So in that house, remote control is the, is the altar. When you say, you know, leave me at the altar, is the remote control. That's what they're saying. But just leave me with the remote control. Anybody that has the remote control is in charge. So immediately the father leaves, the mother leaves, the eldest son is the chief of staff. Even though, listen to me, listen to me carefully, even though you come back and say, you people should try and read, they will not read. You know why? You don't have it. The easiest way to make your children do something is to leave it. And you know, let me tell you this, and I, I pray that... God causes this message by His grace to go far. You see, the truth of the matter is that those little lies you are training your children about, they know when you are lying. When you tell them, tell this person I'm not at home. If this person come, you are disciplining them in the way of lies. <laughs> they ask the young boy, say, what is a lie? He says, a present help in the time of trouble. They say, I have a present help in the time of trouble. Listen to this. You cannot give your family what you are not. You cannot raise a prayerful family if you are a prayerless man. We must stop expecting our children to turn out right when we are living wrong. So a man that has legacy in mind is conscious of his decisions. And, and, and this is a whole thing I'm trusting the Lord to be able to unpack to you and get my heart tonight. I really want to challenge us to be the finest examples of who we can be in this life. Do you remember what the Bible says about Jacob? That he paid tithes where? In the loins of Abraham. So when Abraham was paying tithe, it was recorded in his lineage. If you're going to live a wealthy future to your children, how would you live today? And let me tell you, I'm not teaching you this message so you start going to think, oh, if my life, if I get money now. That's not it. It's about from where you are. That's what God told Abraham. He says from where you are, what should you do? Lift up your eyes. Your vision must start from where you are.
See, there are parents who didn't have so much, but they exemplify hard work. They exemplified what? Diligence. They ed- exemplified order. They exemplified purpose. How do I, how did I start listening to messages? My dad used to travel from our village, go to Ugeligo and record messages from his friends, bring to the house, and, that, and he used to listen to messages all the time. I knew, I knew countries from, from listening to my dad's message. I knew nations from listening to my dad's message. I knew Archbishop Duncan Williams way back when I was small, because my dad used to play. I knew a lot of people. In fact, I knew a lot of foreign preachers because my dad used to play their messages. What stirred my heart for the nations? I used to read this T.L. Osborne magazine, One Way, One Job magazines that he used to send. I, I mean, my dad used to have magazines from all over. It just formed the natural thing I, I would invest in. You have to live with your children in mind. I know you are not married now, but you have to live with them in mind. If you don't know how to cook now, you're not going to raise someone who knows how to cook, whether you're a boy or a girl. Because I know, for some of us, we cook like Aaron produced the golden calf. We throw it into the fire, and whatever comes out of it is food. That's how we cook. (laughs) You know... And boom. And shake, shake, shake. Say, what is this? Food. We cook like Aaron produced the golden calf. There's no discipline to it. There's no excellence to it. There's no mind to it. There's no thought to it. Balanced diet out of the way. So you can do carbohydrate in the morning, afternoon, evening, morning, afternoon, evening, morning, afternoon, evening. And the first time they call for healing line, how many of you are sick here? You and your family shows up all the time. You should be sick. You can't, you can't, you can't eat that whole thing and not expect to get sick. That you are alive even shows that God is a miracle working God. You have to be more intentional because you want to raise healthy children. You want to raise children who are able to represent. Are you hearing what I'm saying now? You cannot live a life without thinking. Before you quarrel with your husband, ask yourself, when these children hear this, what am I feeding into them? Because it's going to form their perception of marriage. It's going to form their perception of a home. Come on, is somebody hearing what I'm saying today? And, I'm, and you know for some of you every day, I'm still single, I'm still enjoying my life no, 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 this is the time to build that discipline in there alright, let me move on alright, so we should think of giving our children spiritual inheritance and also physical inheritance, okay Proverbs 26 22 verse 6 says start your children off on the way they should go niv and even when they are old they will not turn from it start your children up in the way they should go what does that mean train up a child in the way that he should go and when he's old he will not turn from it in the way in the way there is a way there is a way a few days ago i handed my kids some some money and i told them i said so i asked <laughs> I asked my son, I said, what are you going to do with this? What are you going to do with the money? So he told me what he was going to do. And then I asked my daughter, she said whatever she was going to do with it. Then I said, but the first thing you guys need to do is to give a tithe. You have to tithe. So I asked the younger one, I said, do you know what a tithe is? And she gave on. So I explained to her what a tithe is. 
have to be conscious of that. If you if you're always talking about preachers taking your money, how churches are going to many, don't be surprised when those children wake up and say they are not going to church. You think all the things you say in the car on your way home about church and preachers they don't hear? Oh, they hear. They are storing it. And the day will come, they'll tell you, if church is that good, why were you complaining about everything? Your children are sponge. They soak things. And some of you know how you formed impressions about things just by sitting with your parents in the car. So you want to build that. Our actions are generational. Think in terms of generation. Think in terms of the next generation. I want us to do a forward thinking. Your, the intelligent version of you demands a greater set of discipline. See, there are things on the inside that you have not brought out. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And today can be the day you make up your mind. Let me tell you, nobody in this world is permanently destroyed. When you make up your mind, you can change the direction of your life. Remember what we read about the prodigal son, right? The Bible says he went to his father, collected the wealth. What did he do with the wealth? Spent it on what? Riotous living. Does it tally with what we are describing in Ecclesiastes? Exactly. That man had worked hard. You don't want to raise children that just sells your building for nothing. Hmm? Somebody just passes on the next thing you are seeing for sale. They don't know the value of hard work. For some of us that God has also prospered, we need to teach our children the value of hard work. The implication of choices. And this thing has to be deliberate. We cannot leave it to chance. Praise God. Are you still here? Alright, let's use a few more scriptures and I'll give you some takeaways. Genesis 18, 9. Um, the, the Bible talking about Abraham. For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him. And they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment. That the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which has spoken of him. Go to Ephesians 6, 4. It says, Abraham, I know Abraham. Abraham is going to command his children. Of course... A time will come when children will make up their own mind, make up their own choices, but ensure that you do your job. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instructions of the Lord. Why was it easy for Timothy to be mentored? The Bible talked about the faith in our grandmother, the faith in his grandmother, the faith in his mother, and the faith that is in him. Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 9. Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 9. Thank you Lord Jesus. Let me go quickly. Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 9. Oh give heed to yourself and keep your soul diligently. Look at this. Keep your soul diligently so that you do not forget the things which your eyes have seen and they do not depart from your heart all the days of your life. For make them known to your sons and your grandsons. Make them known to your sons and your grandsons. As you are here, whether you're married or not, you are crafting the life for your children and your grandchildren. That's the life you're crafting now. Every decision is important. Praise God. Every decision is important. You see, the fact that I'm a pastor impacts on my children. They might not want anything to do with ministry, but it impacts on them. I have to travel. I have to preach. It impacts on them. 
let, let me tell you this. One of the reasons I'm teaching this message today, don't go into this year feeling like my life does not concern anybody. No, your life concerns the people that are close to you. A, a husband cannot just think, it's my life. I don't care about you people. No, 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 no. It's not your life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? As a pastor of this church, I cannot just say, it's my life. No, as a member of the church, you can, no. Your life is connected to people. Look at Mordecai and Esther. Mordecai had to tell her, say, listen, God can use someone else. But you see, Mordecai's life was connected to Esther. Because you know what happened? If Esther had not made the call, and let's assume she was the only one that could make the call, Mordecai would have been killed. Listen, our lives are connected. Your choices will impact the people closest to you. Deuteronomy 11.19 Are you getting something from this tonight? Deuteronomy 11.19 You shall teach them to your sons Talking of them when you sit in your house When you walk along the road And when you lie down And when you rise up Whatever you learn now Is what you're going to impact To the next generation Those of you who have the opportunity In this ministry to teach teenagers You are at a very important place Because they are the future of the church They are the future of the ministry Say, talk about these things to your children. Have something to impact. Let me give you eight takeaways and then we can wrap up. Number one, realize that your present life is the foundation for at least the next two generations. Your present life is the foundation for at least the next two generations. You cannot give what you do not have. So I ask you a question tonight. What do you have? What do you have? Do you have a vision? Do you have a drive? When you sit down in that one room, what do you see? When you sit down in that, you know, what do you see? When you go to work, what do you see? Do you see yourself as a lady who is building something for the next generation? What do you see? There is a lot in this life we can give. There is a lot God has put in us that we can give. We must make up our minds that we will not remain this way. We must make up our mind that the world must become better because we are in it. We must make up our mind. Hallelujah. Number two. Your choices are not individualized. Your choices are generational. Your choices are generational. Your choices are generational. If there is an area of your life you're struggling with, why don't you study about it? Why don't you take time and read? If you have, you know, someone mentoring you, why don't you take advantage of that wisdom? What is, what is mentorship? It's a shortcut to success. Because a mentor will share his mistakes with you, will share things with you, and say, do it this way, do it this way, do it this way, do it that way. Would help you. And the challenge is that sometimes we don't sit down like the prodigal son and admit. Because you know, in this generation, everybody knows it. But the prodigal son says, you know what, made a mistake. In as much as I don't like quoting 
some people from the pulpit, but permit me tonight to quote Socrates. You know what he said? He said, an unexamined life is not worth living. That means that when, you're, when you live a life that you're not examining, right? It's not worth living. You know why? Because you're just going to repeat mistakes. So you got to sit down, have a conversation. Number three, who you are married to will define a lot of things. Who you are married to will define a lot of things. So if you are not married, great. You, have a, you, you, can, you can really, really impact that choice. And so, before the conversation gets deep, before uh, emotions start flying, sit down and ask yourself. And I've said it to you, singles in this place a lot, when I teach on architect of the future. And listen to me, I repeat it again tonight. Listen to me, this is very important. There is an emotional space in your life that you must not allow anybody inside except you want to get married to that person. Don't open up that space. Don't open up that space. Except, so it is very important at the beginning of conversations to tell yourself where, is, where are we going to. Because I'll tell you this. Immediately that emotional space is open, opened, reasoning is suspended. So you have to define that. Who gets into my space? How much space am I giving to people? What value is this one bringing? Are you hearing what I'm saying? And let me tell you something. If you want to be a history maker and a world changer, there are certain times you would have to go through life alone. There are certain times where we look at your choices and say it's extreme. But I've never seen anyone who is a success who is not extreme. Some of you, have, some of you follow football, Right? See someone like Cristiano Ronaldo at 30, how many years he is right now, still playing. Still, it's not just luck. I was watching uh, the midfielder of Manchester City, uh, Kevin De Bruyne. The, when they finished the match, the, the last match they played, right? he went on an ice bath, put his whole body on an ice machine. Right? Ice bath. And was there for a couple of minutes. I want you to think of it. You finish playing football. As we are here. Give me an honest answer. What is the next thing in your mind? Come on somebody, talk to me. You just finished playing football now. What's the next thing in your mind? Talk to me now. What's the next thing in your mind? You go and bait. Then, hot ever. That when you are in the bedroom, you are feeling the smoke coming out. You now be whistling. Because you know that something is about to go down, right? And as you enter, you will now eat. Say, man, it was not easy today. Then you go and lie down. You see, that is the default of failures. You understand what I'm saying? Uh-huh. But if the man wants to play at the top level, can you imagine? Think of it. Think of it in your mind. Soaking yourself in an ice bath just to keep fit. Let's, let me tell you something. There is nobody who has excelled in this life who was not extreme. Bishop Bodibor said, abnormal people must have abnormal schedules. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He said one time he was at Covenant University and they asked him, how do you get up? What keeps you up? He said, it's not alarm clock, it's responsibility. Hmm? 
Don't sit in the same chair for years and you don't impact your world. You didn't come here to be a spectator. You are too intelligent to be mediocre. You are too much not to give something to your world. Dr. Miles Moreau says the richest places in this world are the graveyards. They are not the oil feeds of the Niger Delta. Hmm? They are not the gold deposits in Congo. The mind. Books not written. Songs not that were not sung. Things that were not done. Because we, we, we procrastinate too much and we settle with mediocrity. We want to be popular. We want people to like us. We want to... We just want... No. There is a world out there that needs to be rescued. And God is counting on us. There's no one person who touched the world that did not put extreme discipline on themselves. Number what? Four. How you raise your children will determine if your legacy will endure. Number five. We must focus on intangible inheritance that would always produce tangible things. What are these intangible inheritance? Vision. Eh? Can I tell you something? Um, <laughs> attitude. Hmm? Attitude. Attitude. Let me tell you something about attitude. Do you remember, I don't know about you, you know some people say in our days it looks like we are very old, but the generations are coming so quickly. Do you realize that you couldn't walk past an elder without greeting? How many of you know that? Even if you walked past six people. Eh? Hello? Do you know that there are adults today that don't greet? They are adults. Yes, guy. It's eyeball to eyeball. They but I don't greet. They just go straight to message. I mean, say, no, that taught us that. Even on WhatsApp, they'll just tell you, Can I come? straight, no good morning, no good afternoon and because we don't greet, we can't raise children who greet the best they can do is ah! and they'll get angry that you didn't do them high back you know we've succeeded in raising children that don't listen to us sit down no sit down no, it's okay. Please sit down. Then, okay, if you sit down, I'll give you ice cream. How? Why? And you might say, "Well, that's the method." I don't, I don't, I don't have any issue with the method you are using. But ensure, because listen to me, your children are not always going to be under your roof. They are going to walk with people who are wicked. They are going to work with terrible people. They are going to work with all kinds of people. And one of the good things they should bring to the table is attitude. You won't control where your children will work. You can't even control, I mean, in a way, the school your children will go to. You can choose the school, but they are in school. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Vision, values. And saints, I want us to go back and reconsider these things. We have to have conversation now. The greatest things to impact is your faith, your vision, your values. Get them into the word. Get them. And if you cannot get your children into the word, if you are not into the word. If you find the Bible burdensome, 
Your children will find it burdensome. Number seven, who else are you intentionally pouring into? Who are you mentoring? Who are you raising? Who are you discipling? I watched um, the 80th birthday party of Kenneth Hagin in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I was watching this video and hundreds of ministers just came just talking about how this man had poured into, into their lives. Who are you pouring into? Who are you intentionally discipling? And the last, every single day, you are building your legacy. Every single day. Every single day, you're building your legacy. It's still early in the year. I want us, every one of us, to go back tonight and have a conversation with ourselves. And tell yourself, what legacy am I building? Listen to me, child of God. We don't have time on our side. We don't have time on our side. This world is changing faster than ever before. You know, someone, um, a friend of mine, you know, good friend of mine suggested to me that, you know, they watch a lot of videos on TikTok and all of that. So he wanted us to start putting my videos on TikTok. So, you know, uh, so he got an account for me, put a couple of videos. So, you know, I went on to check. <laughs> By the time I entered that world, I'm like, boy. So I just told him that, as for me and my house, I'm not there. If you want to do it, go ahead and just manage it. I'm seeing all kinds of advert, people advertising spiritual things, people advertising all kinds of crazy. It's a crazy world out there. We don't have time, child of God. We don't have all the time in the world. We are now in a generation where people just set cameras and bring out their tongue and turn their backside and turn their left side and 50,000 people like that. What do you like there? That's, that's where we are. It looks like the, 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 the more shallow you are, the more people follow you. The more vain you are, the more people follow you. And that's the world we're drinking. Just put a camera in front of your face now. Bring out your tongue. Do a dance. Turn around. Speak something. 7,000 people just like what you did. If you follow this world, you will remain shallow. Are you not what much more than this? Is there no more to give to life? Is this all there is? Going through another year and in another salary and that's it. Out of 7 billion people in the world, what would your uniqueness bring into the world? What problem would you solve? So I want you to engage this year with an intentionality that you'll be a history maker and a world changer. You don't have to be the most popular person in the world. But to yourself, be a world changer. Hold yourself to higher standards and higher values. Be someone that inspires the next generation. May a young girl look at you and say, you know what, I want to be like this auntie. May you be able to pour into a young girl who's got no parents, who's got no upbringing, and tomorrow they look at you and say, you know what, because of this auntie, that's why I'm here. It's not just about giving money. It's about impacting the right values. And if we think of legacy living, God is counting on all of us. Because you know what? The people I cannot reach, you will reach them. So I want you to go back tonight and look at your life and be intentional. And child of God, we cannot afford to be poor. We cannot afford to be poor. And we're too blessed to remain poor. And how does it start? Go learn budgeting. Write a receipt for everything you buy. <clears throat> buy only what you need. Learn the basics again. 
Because there is a generation you need to build to. We did not come to this world and they say certain things are forbidden for us. No. We are the seed of Abraham. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So I want us to be aggressive this year about our lives and to be intentional. Are you blessed tonight? Let's pray. Father, we come to you tonight. We ask that you would help us in your grace and in your mercy to build the right legacy for ourselves, for our children, for our world, for the church. That, Father, we would leave out every potential you've put on the inside of us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.